DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Store. The Store has grab-and-go meals and hundreds of local products. The Store has two locations, in Holiday, 6200 South and 2050 East, and at the Gateway Mall in downtown Salt Lake City. That's The Store. DJ and PK, it is time to bring in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. So much to talk to you about. The Jazz are slumping. The Aggies got in and were whooping it up in a ballroom at their hotel. The Cougars knew they were in. They just wanted to find out who they're going to play. And they still don't know who they're going to play. So we got to get through all of this with you in the next 20 minutes or so. Let's start with uh, BYU. We knew they were in. We thought they might get a 6 or 7 seed. They got a 6. So for all the people who felt like your teams and Dave teams got poor seeds and deserved better, well, none of that this year. But... UCLA or Michigan State, if you were Mark Pope, who would you rather play? And if you were Mark Pope, who do you expect to play? Uh, I'd rather play probably UCLA, who's lost four in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I've seen UCLA play a couple times. And, uh, but, you know, it's not that they're obviously they're, they're a solid team. They got in. Uh, they've had some good wins. But anytime you, you've lost four games in a row, um, there, there's some doubt, and uh, I'm sure they believe they can beat Michigan State. And you know, and when you look at Michigan State, uh, you know, you're, they they've defeated Michigan, number two Michigan. They've defeated number four Ohio State. They've defeated <laughs> number five Illinois. So you know they're capable. I mean, they got bad losses, and they lost three out of the last four as well. So, uh, but to me, the Big Ten was the best conference in the country. And for Michigan State, and I don't know a lot about Michigan State, but at the end of the day, if you can if you can beat Michigan or Ohio State, and Illinois, you're 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 capable of beating anybody. And I, I recognize those were home games; they weren't neutral site games. And um, so, you know, I think I'm wanting to play UCLA, but at this time of the year, you know, you're you're just doing everything you can to prepare. And, uh, you know, you're not really talking to your guys about the fact that they've lost four in a row. I probably wouldn't be the smartest. You're going to show them film of, of good wins, big wins, and, and get them ready and make sure they, re- they respect their opponent. But, uh, uh, you know, they took fourth in the Pac-12. They're 17-9 and nine UCLA. So, you know, they're, they're solid. Michigan State just had a much more difficult task, and it took a while for them to start playing better. But, uh you know, like I said, they lost three of the last four, but they had in uh, in February big wins over Ohio State and Illinois. So I'd I'd probably go with UCLA uh, just because of the those circumstances. This sort of reminds me of your time at BYU when they saddled you with Syracuse and UConn, and so they weren't necessarily. I think both of them actually were coming off a national title the year before and didn't have banner years, but they're banner programs. And that's the way I look at whoever BYU gets, not banner years relative to what their program is used to, but nevertheless big-name programs. Yeah, you know what, that it's true. And, I mean, I think Cincinnati, who beat us the first in our first, I think they had won a national championship year. Before. I had to look, but it, it wasn't the year before. It was they had had uh, – had a great run and uh i feel and maybe it was more the 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 coaching staff there but you're right i mean it's one of those things that it is they may not have had a banner year but they've got a great tradition and they've obviously year in and year out have great players you know uh 
I, I forgot the guy's name at UCLA, the head coach there, Cronin, I guess. Uh, Cronin, Mick Cronin, you know, he, yeah. Yeah, he's done a nice job there. And, you know, that thing was kind of flattened out. And there wasn't a lot of energy, and he's brought energy there, and he's got guys believing they can win. Uh, obviously, Michigan State's a storied program with national championships and, you know, and the like. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they've not had great years. You're right. and But they've proved that on any given night they can do something. But, Playing in neutral sites, uh, you know, I think the advantage for BYU is they get to watch this team play uh, on a Thursday when they're going to play them on a Saturday. And uh, I think think that is an advantage. I mean, it's not like they're going to do a lot of different things come Saturday night. It gives guys a familiarity with them. Uh, And and obviously they've got a bunch of other tape they've watched. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think there's a benefit. And then, you know, two days later they got to play BYU – uh, I don't know if the, have the sites where everybody's playing yet been established. I think they're going to that field house there Hinkle. for BYU. Hinkle Field House oh. from Hoosiers. Mark Pope can measure yep. the free throw line if he'd like, or maybe the rim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's where Butler plays. And yeah, uh, yeah that's uh, I've been in that field house. Uh, in fact, um, at the end of my time in, in Indiana. Heath Stroyer, I think he was at Tennessee Martin, came in and played Butler. So I sat right behind the bench there and watched that game. That's a story facility, and uh, I actually spoke in that place. There, a, there was a church gathering there for uh, in that Indiana area, and I remember being in that. And I think I've, I think I've actually been in all the facilities one time or another, just. Uh, in, in my travels when I was in Indiana, not watching game. That was the only college game that I watched, but uh, I, I'd always be with the missionaries and, uh, and most of we had people on every campus. And so I had a chance to kind of poke in and take a look at those places. And uh, so I think, I think I've seen everything. IUPUI was our mission. That's where they're playing. They're playing at their facilities. So they're all nice facilities. And uh, what a, what a, what a cool thing to do this thing in Indiana and, and to have it all in one central location. So, um, excited to watch. So for Utah State, they are playing Texas Tech, and I think there are people who will tell you the Big 12 was the best conference in the country. There's probably people who will tell you the Big 10 was too. Uh, but even though Texas Tech is uh, is down a, a little bit in the conference standings, the conference is deep enough that maybe that just means they've been tested and they've played a lot of big games. What do you think of the Aggies' chance of pulling an upset in his 11th seed? Hey, listen, I, I I believe in Utah State. You know, uh, what they've done the last two years, I, you know, they're not as good offensively as they were last year, obviously, losing the regard. They, they're just they're not, but he's uh, got the coach. And uh, I think both teams are very physical. Both teams are good defensively. You know, you know Texas Tech has had to play really, really physical basketball and, and night in and night out where – uh, you know, the Mountain West had a day at the top of half of the Mountain West, you know, Colorado State, uh, Boise, uh, even Nevada at times, obviously San Diego State. Uh, they were, uh, they, they had a solid league. I mean, they, they had good wins, they had bad losses, but I like that league. It's the best that league's been in a while. So it wasn't like uh, Utah State came from a really soft league because I think this was one of the better Mountain West Conference uh, seasons. Even though it was a COVID time and a lot of games were missed, uh, I, I, I like their chances. Uh, I mean, if I was doing my bracket, 
I'd probably pick Utah State because I, you know, I lived there and knew that. But in my heart, I'm, I'm thinking Texas Tech wins that game. But certainly Utah State uh, is capable and has the capacity. They don't. They're, they're, they go nice where they don't score real well, and they're going to have to put up, you know, 60 points to uh, to, to beat a Texas Tech team. Maybe I have to put up more than that. And if they can score early and stay in the game, I mean, you, you've got two great coaches. So I I. I'm hoping that Utah State wins, but I think I'd probably pick Texas Tech just because of what they had to go through the year, game in and game out. Mark Pope has certainly generated a lot of enthusiasm in the BYU basketball program. He's got a ton of charisma, but I think it starts now because he needs to separate himself if he wants to be in the coach and I'm sure he does want to be one of the better coaches you got to win in the NCAA tournament I asked him on the conference call as far as the great programs which he played in one at Kentucky obviously that those programs are measured by success in the NCAA tournament that's what you want is it fair going forward to judge Mark Pope and BYU based on the NCAA tournament well, listen, the, the BYU has been to the NCAA tournament a lot. I mean, in the last 20 years. I mean, Dave, I think, went eight times. Coach Rose, seven or eight times. And we went three in that last five years. And, and Mark would have been in it last year. So the expectation of getting to the tournament makes good sense. Uh, and I think, Dave, when you play on national TV, Gonzaga toe-to-toe and have yourself in a position, I think anybody that watched that team says, hey, this team's capable of winning, you know, one or two games. And uh, so, yeah, I think there is the expectation for them to go there. It's not like they're an underdog. They 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 went toe-to-toe with the best team in the country who's probably going to win a national championship, and they did it on a neutral court. So that raises expectations. Uh, you know, if they lose to Michigan State, you know, that there's, there's a name – school that if you lose to well it was michigan state it wasn't you know some some uh tier five school that upset somebody in a tournament and you should have won i i think there's an expectation in that program that whether they play michigan state or ucla that they can win and uh but in terms of how they're judged i i think the thing that mark has done in a really quick time and probably could not done it in in an era where uh, did it because of transfer rules and, and getting guys eligible uh, immediately, you know, it was Barcello, uh, with Harms, uh, Everett. I think he, I think he sat out. But uh, certainly the transfers, and we've talked about this before. You can get yourself better pretty quickly. And you know, Mark talks all the time about having a great locker room, and their coaching staff is really, really good about that, and having the culture that you need, and having guys bought in. So they've, they've done all the things that they should do. Uh, it's it's really hard for me to find any real fault with with Coach Pope and what he's done in the first two years. There's great energy, guys love him, and the fans, you know, even though they haven't been around this year, uh, the, the Gonzaga win the end of last year, you know, brought the kind of the community together, and immediately you knew that BYU was going to be good again for a long stretch here. And I think the, that we talked about this before, but I just think his ability to get transfers and and to fill in holes for guys going on missions and coming off uh, is something that he's really good at. He's got a great personality, as does his whole staff. You know, they're really people-oriented. 
And uh, so, yeah, I mean, everybody's judged. It's, it's fair. I mean, you're in this business, and I was in the tournament three times and, and came within the last minute of winning a couple of times and, and didn't, you know, and I look back and just, I mean, I'm, I'm not beating myself up over it, but that, that would have been really special. And we had opportunities to win in two of those games late and didn't. And we were playing two teams that had won national championships, come for story programs. And I felt like, you know, we didn't get it done. And I, I take responsibility for that. Players do too. But yeah, I mean, you, you win a couple of those games, you know, all of a sudden, you got a chance to be at the Sweet 16 because you get momentum. And, and uh, so there haven't been a lot of Sweet 16 teams at BYU. There have been a few, but uh, I think it's uh, – I'm not sure that this is a Sweet 16 team, but, but certainly if they shoot the three ball well, uh, they can beat either one of these teams. I mean, they've got to come out and shoot well. And, uh, and, and then I think Michigan State is going to be more physical – and and I think BYU is up for a game like that, um, but I, I I think Michigan State wins, and then I think it's going to be a really really good game, and BYU will need to play well to beat Michigan State. Uh, but we saw them play real well about a week ago against the number one team in the nation, and so it's hard not to believe that these guys can't replicate it and do it again. So hopefully that's what happens, and they play well um, and. And we don't let's not forget this either. BYU's been really solid defensively, and you know having arms at the rim and having good, strong, quick guards that are physical uh, and just don't let guys have their way. Defensively, they've done a really solid job. So um, they don't have to shoot it as well as they did against Gonzaga, but I, I think they need to be. If they're shooting 40, 45 percent from the field, and they're shooting 40 percent from the three then uh, probably they're in a position to, to beat Michigan State. If they don't, it, it, will, it will be challenging because I think Michigan State, I mean, you're talking about a team that finished ninth in their league. Sells you a little bit something about their league. They finished ninth, 15 and 12, and get to the tournament as 11 seed. Mind you, it's a playing game, but uh, that's a pretty doggone good league. And like you said before, the Big Ten and uh, the Big 12 are probably the two toughest leagues in the, in the country this year. We've all seen tournament games where a team that had tournament experience had a significant edge, calming the nerves, just playing the game, not worrying about everything else. Well, another team could be all wide-eyed. I watched this tournament the whole time growing up and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we didn't have a tournament last year. I mean, we know who the tournament teams largely were, but they didn't actually get to play. And with a turnover two years, graduation, all the transfers, I'm wondering if you think that will – you know, tournament experience is going to matter as much this year if it's just going to be a really different kind of year because Utah State is playing Texas Tech. BYU, if they, if Michigan State beats UCLA, they will be playing teams that played each other in the Final Four two years ago. Texas Tech beat yeah. Michigan State. Does that matter, or is two years, 20 years in college basketball, and we're going to see a lot of nerves in the tournament this year? No, I, I think it, I think it does matter to a certain degree because I think that people that are in those programs have those expectations, and it's not to say that BYU or Utah State don't have expectations to win and get to the next level in the next round or be Sweet 16 teams. They just haven't done it very often, you know. So there's not a history there. Uh, whereas with these two clubs, story programs that have had great success and, and with good coaches, so. I think the mindset of a Texas Tech or a Michigan State is, 
hey, we've been there before, this is done before, this is what we do, this is who we are. It's not, I'm not saying that BYU and Utah State don't feel that and believe that and that the coaching staff isn't instilling that. I think they are. But still, it's different than, hey, we were you know, in a Final Four two years ago. I mean, that is a different expectation. That's a different place. And, uh, and you know, it, it gets guys fired up. The underdog deal is always what the NC2A is about. Now, the, the thing that isn't going to be happening is there's not going to be a lot of fans, I don't think, are there? I haven't seen anything officially about fans in the in facilities. If there are a few, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be a lot. So you're taking away that energy that comes to teams that are underdogs and all of a sudden in a, an entire arena of people from other, other schools, you know, they're neutral to the game. They don't care who wins, but all of a sudden, anytime it's a higher seed against a lower seed, they're pulling for the underdog. And interestingly enough, Michigan State and UCLA would, would always be names like that, or, you know, you feel like you're the underdog. And yet BYU is not. I mean, they're, they're a sixth seed, and, and, uh, but there's something to be said about the mindset of being in programs that have been to the Final Fours and that expectation. You don't have to talk a lot about it. The players know that's why they went to that institution. That's why they were recruited there to go to, you know, final eights and sweet 16s and final fours. So, um, yeah, I, I would think that I don't think BYU is going in the start. They've got older guys now, you know, too. I mean, you've got three seniors that have been in college programs for almost five years now. So they've seen a lot. Uh, you know, how does a Travis Snell or a Spencer Johnson? How do they step up? You know, you watched them against Gonzaga make big plays and and uh, and, and and do things uh, in, in games. So I, I don't think they come into this thing wide-eyed and not sure and nervous. I think they believe. But once that ball gets tipped up, you have physicality of that game and everything. And that's the one thing I like about BYU. BYU has gotten so much better over the year in terms of physicality, defensively, a lot of its game prep you know, being in the right place. Uh, but, yeah, I think Michigan State, you know, UCLA's not been very good for a while. Uh, so I, I don't even know that the, you, these young kids, I mean, I know they, you know, is a storied program. But for Michigan State, and, and it, it's a different deal. And uh, they, they've been there and recently and uh, have a storied program as well. So, We'll see. I mean, I know the guys are going to be excited, and they'll be prepared. Well, you know, everybody's prepared at this time of the year, and I think that playing in a neutral site, playing no fans, I think that always benefits the the uh, probably the, the team that is the more physically and more talented team. If there's not going to be fans, who 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 gets the the underdogs going? So you have not having fans, and Michigan State now. You figure if they end up beating UCLA, and that's what I'm, I'm thinking is going to happen, um, they've had three big-time wins against teams that have been ranked in the top five all year. So uh, I don't think they're going to come into any game thinking that they can't win. The Jazz are 4-5 and five in the last nine games. Is this just something that happens in the middle of the NBA season, or are teams catching up to them, the advantage that they had in continuity over other clubs early in the year, the fact they're team playing teams the second and third time, they got a better idea what they want to do against the Jazz. Uh, you know, are, are teams catching up to them, and should fans be worried? Well, you know what? I, I don't know they need to be worried, but teams are going to catch up to them when you play them multiple times at this time of the year. But look at the rest of the league. 
I mean, everybody. I mean, you've got 10, 11, 12, 13 losses in the top three or four people. I mean, so it's happening everywhere. And, you know, they've got three road games at Boston, Washington, and Toronto, you know, and, and you know, all three of those programs are struggling. I mean, I mean Boston had a, a good win coming out of the All-Star break and lost. I mean, they're Boston's 6-4, and four, Washington's 4-6, and six, Toronto's 3-7. and seven. But we know they're all capable. I mean, certainly Boston and Toronto, if their guys are playing, the right guys are playing and they're healthy, those are difficult places to play on the road. You, you, you know, six months ago when you saw that schedule, or I guess these schedules probably weren't out six months ago with COVID, but once you saw that schedule, you'd go, that, those would be two tough places to play. And so I think it's what everybody's going through. I mean, all the teams with 13, 14, 18, 19 losses. I mean, uh, it's, it's just the nature of the year and uh, coming, you know, the second half of this year. I think the Jazz are still in a good position, even though they're, you know, they've, they've lost a few games. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I still think the Jazz are playing well. You know, they can't, they can't have guys. I mean, you start looking at, I'm watching this doggone. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, I forgot. I, I, I'm, I'm watching New Orleans Pelicans play, uh, and I'm thinking these guys—they're not a great basketball team. They're 17 and 22, but on a given night, they can beat anybody because they can score. You know, I mean, I, I didn't—I just didn't. Try, I didn't see Golden State just thrashing the Clippers. You know, and mind you, it was a home, so. Yeah, anything can happen, and I think this is the time of the year where it does, but there's a lot of parity in this league. There isn't much that separates one to eight, to be honest with you. I mean, we know who really has a chance to get to the finals, and, and I think that if you took uh, Brooklyn, I mean, the Lakers haven't played great. Uh, you take the Clippers, teams at preseason, Philadelphia is playing better. Obviously, Utah is playing better. But there's only a handful of teams that can probably get to the finals just because if, if everybody stays healthy. And, and I think Utah has proven that after 38 games, they can get to a finals. They, they've demonstrated they can beat good teams. Uh, but a lot of it, too, and I, and I wouldn't have the analytics and stats for this, but sometimes you're playing teams when they're missing players. And, uh, you know, you, you can get wins when, you know, maybe had certain guys not been sick or not been in protocol or whatever the circumstances were. But I think the Jazz are still solid. Jazz have a chance to go on the road and win these three games. And all three of those teams, they got question marks. People, they're not sure what's going on. Their own fan base doesn't know what's going on. They go on the road and lose two of those or three of those, then, then, then there's something to worry about. But I think if they go on the road and win two out of three or win all three, then I think that makes a huge statement as we get into the second half of the season that Utah's going to be at the top here in one or two of the conference, and they're going to, you know, they're going to have home court advantage. Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes talking Cougars, talking Aggies, talking Jazz. Enjoy the March Madness. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. It'll be fun to watch. See you guys.